Hey there, future friends. This week, we want Romeo back. We make ourselves a family. And a long-running story ends. Kind of. It's the week of October 14th, 2022, and you are listening to the Future Flicks with Billiam podcast. everyone welcome to the show it was a hell of a time starting this episode my cats had unplugged the soundboard i didn't realize it so i was trying to figure out what was going on because it it was one of those things where it looks like it's plugged in but the minute you touch it it just falls out so that was uh, the issue i was looking down at the power power cord going hey no it looks like it's plugged in nothing's working what's going on and then I'm thinking they also have walked on it because a lot of my settings were wrong. So uh, if this episode sounds any different, that is why. That is what happened. And I profusely apologize. In fact, now that I think about it, it is kind of a blessing that I ever sounded good. When the show first started way back in the year 2016, I think it was, I had a Yeti Blue, I think it was, you know, one of those. They're popular microphones, USB microphones. They're, they're, they are good, but it had a little stand. And the minute I got a different mic and put it on a boom arm, and immediately the sound quality changed. But thinking about how I started out, like I, I got a soundboard, and I had no idea what I was doing. I had Snarf Chris from Somewhat Nerdy, part of the Somewhat Nerdy radio podcast, which you should totally check out. I had him send me a picture of his... All of his settings, I just copied it. Like I'm looking at the soundboard now. It says comp, high, mid, low, FX, pan. And I know what some of them do, but I, I, I basically have no clue. This, is, this could be in, written in Braille, and I would have just as much of an idea of what's going on. But anyway, my friends, it is a new week, and that does mean new movie. So if you are new and you stuck around after that babbling, thank you so much. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the family. On this show, I do a few things. I tell you about movies that are coming out, every movie coming out during the week that I find out about. Sometimes I miss some. I am not perfect no matter how hard I try. And I break them up into two categories, the limited releases and the wide releases and interesting indies. In the limited releases, I tell you what the movie is, what it's about, and who's in it. Maybe I'll give a thought or two on it, but then usually that's it. We move on. In the wide releases in Interesting Indies, I also tell you what the movie is, what it's about, and who's in it, but I also definitely tell you my thoughts on it, and that includes every wide release movie, every movie coming to a major streaming service, and the limited release movies that did catch my eye, those that did not get shoved back in the previous section, and then I wrap it all up with a score, which I call the Billiams Interest Level Score, aka the Bill Score, which can go anywhere from a zero for those awful movies, to an 11 for those movies that make me oh so excited. So let's start with the limited releases with a movie called All Quiet on the Western Front again. That's right. If you are new to the show, this is the third time I'm talking about this film because this movie has been released in 
three stages so far, soon to be four. It is now getting another expansion. When it first came out, it was New York only, I believe. Then last week, it got a small expansion. This week, getting a slightly bigger expansion. And on the 28th, it's coming to Netflix. So on the 28th, I will talk about this movie in length. This is about a young German soldier's terrifying experiences and distresses on the Western Front during World War I. This stars Daniel Bruhl from Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Next up in the show, we have a movie called Mortal Kombat Legends Snowblind. This is coming out on Video On Demand on the 9th, so by the time you hear this episode, it's already out. As Kano and the Black Dragon wreak havoc around the globe, a young warrior named Kenshi will have to rise above his own limitations and take on the looming threat of Outworld. This features the voices of David Wenham from Lord of the Rings and Manny Jacinto from The Good Place. So good news if you're a Mortal Kombat fan and like it enough to watch an animated movie. So good for you. Have fun. Next up, we have a film called Guardians of Time. VOD and DVD release on the 11th. One day in the family manor, four cousins discover a passage leading to a mysterious world. Trapped in this unearthed land, the kingdom of Kyo Horus, they must confront the Guardian of Time, face dark forces and beasts to hopefully get back home. This stars no one of note. And it, it, it actually has a little bit of promise, but my thing is that it's one of those movies where we have like four, four kids. It looks like one's a little older, a couple are in the middle, and one's pretty young. And in movies like this, especially like the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe movies, the little kid is annoying. Next up, we have a film called Piggy, limited release and VOD release here. An overweight teen is bullied by a clique of cool girls poolside while holidaying in her village. The long walk home will change the rest of her life when she notices one of them being kidnapped. Instead of helping, she lets it happen. This is a movie from Spain. And movies like this make me think that I I'm of two minds when it comes to shit like that. While watching the movie, I'd be like, yeah, f that girl. She is a bitch. Let her get kidnapped. But in the real world, I'd be like, well, God, do something. What are you, a monster? So if that sounds interesting, uh, VOD and limited theatrical release this week. Next up, we have a movie called Game of Love, but it also goes by the title Time is Up 2. I didn't even know Time is Up 1 was a thing. Video on demand only for this one. Game of Love follows Vivian and Roy as their love story continues to lead them to Roy's childhood home in Sicily to prepare for the sale of the family estate. During the visit, a mysterious woman arrives, befriends Vivian, much to Roy's displeasure. Tensions build and lines are crossed as secrets from Roy's past force the couple to face aspects of their relationship that they did not know existed. This stars Bella Thorne from Midnight Sun. So skip it. Next up, we have a movie called Life and Life or Life Crime. I don't know which one it is because I also couldn't find a trailer for this one. And I also had trouble finding it on IMDb because the name it's listed on on Movie Insider isn't the same name it's under on IMDb. It's a weird situation. Through Reggie, Austin's personal journey from drug-addicted convicted murderer serving 35 years inside California prisons to free man facing his tattered connections to society and family, the film exposes the impact of men of color of harsh sentencing and parole practices as part of the larger story of mass incarceration. This stars no one of note. After that, my friends, we have Silent River, 
Desperate to reconcile with his estranged wife, Elliot stops at a desert motel where he encounters Greta, an uncanny woman on the run from a mysterious past. And if you're chasing your estranged wife, what better thing to do than hang out with a random woman you meet at a desert motel? I'm not sure if I already said this, but stars no one of note. It's a long limited section this week. We have seven movies left, so let's get on with it and talk about Summit Fever. A daring dream to scale the world's most challenging trio of mountains soon turns into a terrifying nightmare for a group of friends when a deadly storm traps the climbers near the summit and cuts off all hope of rescue. With the odds stacked against them, the friends are forced to trust each other and save themselves by any means necessary. This stars Ryan Felipe from Cruel Intentions and Hannah New from Black Sails. And yet again, we have another example of my disconnect between movies and life where in life, if hikers or, or not, not hikers, but mountain climbers go missing, it's like, oh, that is a tragedy. I'm sorry for their family. I'm sorry for them. That must have been terrible. But watching a movie about it, when people go up to these places that people aren't supposed to go and something happens to them, I'm like, well, it serves you right. What did you think you were doing up there? The only mountain I'll be climbing is my TBR pile. That's it. After that, we have a movie called Cat Daddies. No, it's not as bad as it sounds. A heartwarming collective portrait of eight unique men whose lives have been changed by their love for cats. Some of these men will navigate the unprecedented challenges of 2020 with the help of these feline friends. This is a documentary. And I, I love cats. You know me. I love dogs. I love cats. But I'm really more of a cat person. Though I still really love dogs. But... I do not give two flying shits about this movie because the movie's saying that, oh, it's so weird for a man to love cats. F*** you, it's not a weird thing. Maybe if it was like the 1950s, it's like, oh, Michael has a cat. Maybe he's a little gay, huh? Or something like that. No, this isn't back then. This is now. A man can like a cat. That's fine. But remember, my friends, I like dogs and cats. If you like dogs and cats, that's fine. But there's a difference between a person who likes a dog and quote unquote dog people and a person who likes cats, and quote-unquote, a cat person. After that, we have a film called Stars at Noon. In 1984's Nicaragua, a mysterious English businessman and a headstrong American journalist strike up a romance as they soon become embroiled in a dangerous labyrinth of lies and conspiracies and are forced to try and escape the country. This stars Margaret Qualley from Maid and Joe Alwyn from Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk. Four movies left, my friends, and let's talk about Accident Man, Hitman's Holiday. The Accident Man is back, and this time he must beat the top assassins in the world to protect the ungrateful son of a mafia boss, save the life of his only friend, and rekindle his relationship with his maniacal father figure. This stars Scott Atkins from The Expendables 2. And if you like Scott Atkins, hey, this is, could be a movie for you. But for everyone else, just skip it. After that, movie called The Accursed, Ellie is asked by a family friend to look after an elderly woman living in a remote cabin for a few days. She agrees, but soon discovers that there is a demon hiding in the woman just waiting to break free. This stars Sarah Gray from Power Rangers, Meg Foster from They Live, Sarah Dumont from Scout's Guide to the Apocalypse, Alexis Knapp from Pitch Perfect, and Mina Suvari from American Pie. So this is just a blanket advice thing if anyone asks you to do something alone or with one other person in a cabin somewhere in the middle of nowhere say no easy 
Next up, we have a movie called Bitch Ass. Yep, Bitch Ass. A gang initiation goes wrong when a group of four recruits break into a house of horror as they're all forced to play deadly games for their lives. Win and you live. Lose and you die. This stars Tony Todd from Candyman. And does this sound like The Collector to anyone else? Some people break it into a house and they broke into the wrong house and have to go through a bunch of, like, traps and shit. Hmm. Weird. And now the final movie in the limited release section. It's a movie called Old Man. Not to be confused with the TV show Old Man. This is different. When a lost hiker stumbles upon an erratic old man living in the woods, he could never have imagined the nightmare that awaits. This stars Stephen Lang from Don't Breathe. And I'm all for Stephen Lang. I like Stephen Lang. He's a good actor. But this just looked boring and skippable. Well, my friends, that is it for the limited section. Let's jump into our first and only break as we hear a word from our friends at the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast. And we're doing fine with Robbie and Lisa. Stay tuned. Are you looking for a nerd podcast that touches on every walk of nerd culture? Well, look no further. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the podcast for you. We cover nerd culture, news, new movie reviews, bad movie reviews, video games, comics, with sprinkles of nerdy nostalgia throughout. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is a flagship podcast of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Find us on every podcast app or stream it on somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. Hi, I'm Lisa. And I'm Robbie. And we host a show called We're We're Doing Doing Fine. Fine. We're friends from across the ocean. I'm from Scotland. And I'm from California. Join us every week as we chat about biscuits. You mean cookies. Brexit. Whatever's going on here. Who knows? Almost dying. Why we're single. Popular culture. And basically everything and anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all living in. Because we're We're doing doing fine. All right, my friends, we're back with the wide releases and interesting indies. And the first movie in the section is a Hulu original film that by the time you listen to this is already out. It's called Grim Cuddy. In this modern creature feature, a scary internet meme called Grim Cuddy stirs up panic amongst all the parents in town, convinced it's making their kids harm themselves and others when a real-life version of Grim Cuddy starts attacking teen Asha Chaudhry, her parents believe that she's cutting herself as part of a challenge. When her phone is taken away and no one who believes her, Asha has to figure out how to get through to her parents and stop the Grim Cuddy once and for all. This stars Shannon Sussman from A Knight's Tale. I'm not sure how to feel about this one. I- I'm not, because we're using cutting as the sign that someone is being attacked by this internet meme killer thing. And it it just doesn't seem right. But not only that, it also doesn't look very good. So there's also that. But hey, if you liked anything about what I said, check that out. It's already out, even if you listen to this episode on the release day. Next up, we have a movie called Sell by Date. One female comedian with many voices on a journey to better understand sex work and her own personal relationship to it. This is a documentary by Sarah Jones and features Rosario Dawson, Ilana Glazer, and Brian Cranston. So I did think this looks pretty interesting. It looks like a really well-done documentary and by a comedian that I'm semi-familiar with. But also this is about the whole sex work is work movement which is also a very important movement because whether or not you partake in any of that or you find it icky or cool or whatever, it's still work. So this looks like worth a watch 
And it also feels like something that will eventually come to Amazon, maybe, but right now it's only limited, but keep an eye out for it on streaming. Oh, I haven't been doing my ratings, have I? Okay, let's start with Grim Cuddy. Grim Cuddy gets a four out of 11. And Sell By Date gets a seven out of 11. My friends, next up is a movie called Decision to Leave. A detective investigating a man's death in the mountains meets the dead man's mysterious wife in the course of his dogged sleuthing. This is a movie from South Korea, and it looks pretty well done. And I don't mean to say that sounding surprised, like, oh, I don't expect that from South Korea. We know better. South Korea releases some great movies. But what surprises me is how many of them, unless they're really making waves, actually come over to the States. And this one is. And hey, if you... First of all, check out the trailer if you have, if you have any interest in this and watching a South Korean movie. Uh, if you do like what you see, maybe it will come to a theater near you. Who knows? All right, my friends, five movies left. Next up is another Hulu movie, the final one of the week, called Rosaline. Or Rosalind. Oh, that's how you say it. Rosalind. I forgot. A comedic retelling of Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet told from the point of view of Romeo's jilted ex, Rosalind. The woman Romeo first claims to love before he falls for Juliet. This stars Caitlin Deaver from Booksmart, Isabella Merced from Dora and the Lost City of Gold, Bradley Whitford from The West Wing, Minnie Driver from Goodwill Hunting, Christopher McDonald from Happy Gilmore, Kyle Allen from The Map of Tiny Perfect Things, and Nico Hiraga from Moxie. So that's a pretty good cast. I really like that cast, especially Caitlin Deaver and Isabella Merced. I'm already there for that. The rest of the cast is just icing on the cake. I think this sounds very entertaining. Is it a good movie for October? Uh, maybe, maybe not, depending on how serious you are about watching horrors or at least spooky movies during this season. Personally, I will be waiting for this, probably going to watch it in November. But it is on my list. It is on my list of movies to keep an eye on because I do like the look of it. And I also like that it's just regular dialogue. They're not trying to be Shakespearean, which I, I kind of find hilarious because we're so used to, even with Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet from the 90s, I think it was, with um, Claire Danes and Leonardo DiCaprio and John Leguizamo, all those, that was done in Shakespearean English, in iambic pictameter. But this one, straight up American English, and I, I think that adds to the comedy of it. Because we're seeing these people in period-accurate wardrobe, period-accurate settings, and just talking like they're straight out of New York or California. I, I think that's hilarious. Rosalind looks like it's going to be a good time, but a good time that can wait until you're ready. So Rosalind gets a 7 out of 11. You know, now that I think of it, I wouldn't mind more comedies that are kind of retellings of non-Shakespeare comedies. Because we had 10 Things I Hate About You, which is Taming of the Shrew. Taming of the Shrew was already a comedy. So why not do a funny Macbeth or a funny Hamlet or King Lear or something? With that, I think the right person can do a great job and we'll have the SCU, the Shakespearean Comedy Universe. Why not? My friends, we have another movie called The Curse of Bridge Hollow. I said that weird, right? Like, oh, another movie called The Curse of Bridge Hollow. No, 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 just the one. This is a Netflix original, the only Netflix original of the week. A teenage girl who accidentally releases an ancient and mischievous spirit on Halloween, which causes decorations to come alive and wreak havoc, must team up with the last person she'd want to in order to save their town, her father. 
This stars Priya Ferguson from Stranger Things, Marlon Wayans from Don't Be a Menace to Society While Drinking Your Juice in the Hood. Yeah, I chose that one because it's fun to say. Musician Kelly Rowland, who was in a few episodes of Empire, Rob Riggle from The Hangover, and Lauren Lampkiss from The Wrong Missy. So first off, uh, I don't like it when you see a movie and there's a person in it, uh, a kid in it, and you're like, oh, I recognize this young adult. Who is this? Oh, it's this person who is a f***ing child in this other thing I watched. So Priya Ferguson plays Lucas's sister, Erica. Remember that actual kid when we first saw her is now in real life 16. And I know, I know they take a while to do Stranger Things and people are joking that, oh, the next season of Stranger Things, they'll be 30. But it's still weird to actually see a representation of how time does pass. I don't know. I'm old. Get off my back. The Curse of Bridge Hollow looks, it, it looks like if Hubie Halloween was good. Hubie Halloween, I, I liked for a Halloween movie, but not as a movie, if that makes sense. It was very full of the Halloween spirit, had lots of decorations, lots of, re- lots of reminders that Halloween is a thing. It was just really stupid. This looks like it has not as much of the reminder, a little less on the Halloween spirit than Hubie Halloween, but a better quality film. So if you did like Hubie Halloween, maybe check this out. And if you hated it, maybe check this out too. This looks like a, a fun and harmless movie to watch. Just put it on with a bowl of popcorn and relax. It's not going to ask too much of you. It's not going to ask you to really think. This is a father-daughter story. This daughter who's coming of age, young adult. She is just exasperated with her dad, thinks he's such a nerd, and realizes that, hey, maybe her dad is kind of cool. So that part of it is a very familiar story. We all have seen movies like that. It's, it's a... It's a well-done trope where we're having someone who is transitioning into adulthood and they're realizing that, hey, my dad, who I thought was like a loser or maybe not that mean, just uncool. Maybe there is something cool about him. Like now as an adult, looking back at the way I acted at times when I was a kid, I would have kicked my own ass. But back then it was like, no, you just don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. No, they understood. So the Curse of Bridge Hollow looks cute, but also skippable too. So if you don't watch this, you're not really missing out. It just looks like fun. So if you want something new and fun, and especially if you have a family, this is great for families. I would check this out. But if you don't, hey, you're not going to miss out on anything. The Curse of Bridge Hollow also gets a 7 out of 11. Now, my friends, we get to the weirdest movie of the week. And this is another limited film, and the only reason it made it into this section is, is because of how weird it looks. That movie is called The Loneliest Boy in the World, so this is a modern fairy tale, but with zombies. A satire and a celebration of family values, the imagery of horror films, of suburban life, of the American dream, and the ultimate taboo, death. This star's hero finds Tiffin from After... Ashley Benson from Pretty Little Liars, Susan Wokoma from Enola Holmes, Max Harwood from Everyone's Talking About Jamie, and Tallulah Haddon from The Last Duel. So that premise was one I got off IMDb, and it's not very good. So let me tell you what the movie's actually about. This is about this guy, and he's really lonely, and he decides to dig up a freshly dead corpse to be his friend, and then he digs up 
other dead people to be his mom and his dad and his sister, and they come to life in a zombie kind of way. And it's weird. But there are also some scenes that are oddly heartfelt, and I don't know how to feel about that. Because this movie kind of leans into the fact that it's going to be super odd. They 100% own it. But the question with movies like this is when are they going to cross a line? And not a line as in like, oh, morally you shouldn't have done that. But when are they going to cross a line where it becomes too much? Where it's like you're leaning into this odd so much and this oddity so much that it's now already old and the movie's not even halfway through yet. This movie has the potential to be good. It has potential to be funny and interesting and new, but it also has the potential to go a little too far into the realm of now it's not good. In now, even though it's new and interesting, it's no longer fun. So the movie like this, I think we should wait, hold off a bit, see what actual people have to say. Remember, don't rely too heavily on critics. Like even me, even though I don't like Rotten Tomatoes, I don't like most critics, even don't rely that much on me. Trust yourself. Learn to trust your own instincts about movies. So if you think this is going to be a great movie, check it out. If you think it's going to be fun, check it out. Other than that, wait, see what the consensus is. But so far, I'm going to tell you the loneliest boy in the world gets a 7 out of 11. My feature friends, two movies left, and the next movie is... Well, let's just talk about it. It's called Till. In 1955, after Emmett Till is murdered in a brutal lynching, his mother vows to expose the racism behind the attack while working to have those involved brought to justice. This stars Daniel Deadweiler from The Haves and the Have-Nots, Haley Bennett from The Magnificent Seven, the 2016 version, Frankie Faison from Do the Right Thing, Whoopi Goldberg from The Color Purple, Sean Patrick Thomas from Halloween Resurrection, and Jalen Hall as Emmett Till. So yes, we have a movie about Emmett Till, one of the most famous and monstrously shocking cases I, I've ever heard of. And I can't help but wonder if this is the best time to release it. Because when you release a movie too close to a holiday that has nothing to do with that holiday, you run the risk of your movie being overshadowed even more. And we all know, I'm not going to even beat around the bush, we all know that Halloween Ends is coming out this week. So the conclusion to a so far very popular horror trilogy coming out weeks before Halloween, and this movie's coming out now. I, I can't help but wonder if it would have been better late spring, it would have been better next month, would have been better late winter. But then again, I don't know why the people who release movies choose the dates they do. Because this is a very important story to tell, and I bet you there are way, way too many people out there in the world who know nothing about this case because they went to some school that tries to shelter their kids from the racism in American history and in America currently, that try to hide their heads in the sand like f***ing ostriches, trying to ignore stuff like this even happening, it's it's criminal that this isn't always taught in schools. I didn't learn about it in school, and I had a very progressive, very left-leaning history teacher, and it didn't even get taught there. So me, growing up in California, having a super liberal activist-type teacher for the, my senior, junior and senior history, and I had to wait until after school to learn this. Uh, this movie need, needed to be made. 
Uh, some people ask, why not do a documentary? There have been documentaries. This has been talked about on, in documentaries, in books, on, the, on television. But sometimes we need a movie. We need a movie because sometimes that is the best way to teach. The book about Desmond Doss came out long before the movie Hacksaw Ridge. Like, his heroics have been known for a long time by a select few. It's only when the movie came out that the story spread. And it's still not super well known because not everyone saw it, but still, it brought more attention to something that deserved it. And what deserves it more than this? What deserves it more than the story of Emmett Till? Because we need to watch movies like this. We need to watch things that really happen that are awful and atrocious. We need to get angry because that fire can't go out. That we need to continue to make the world a better place. So Till looks like a good movie. It looks like a really good movie. The trailer makes it look like the actors are doing a fantastic job. The kid who plays Emmett, it, it's going to be heartbreaking. It's going to be heartbreaking watching this film. And it's going to be one of those films I, I have to watch, but, but not now. And this isn't even getting a nationwide release. It's getting, getting a limited release. It should have at least, at the very least, been released on a commonly used streaming service. But most of all, it should have been nationwide. This is something that should have gone around the country. So with Till, what we have is a good quality looking movie. One that looks like it's really well acted and based on something everyone should know. And if you already know the story still watch the movie support stories like this being told in hollywood that's what's important if you've been listening to the show for a while you know sometimes i feel weird giving a score to certain movies especially about their subject matter and this is one of those because whenever i give a score to a movie i am stepping back and saying this is a piece of cinema this is a piece of art that i am judging based on its the quality is presenting through its trailer and I can't do that with the story of Emmett Till. So all I'm going to say is watch this movie. Watch it now. Watch it later. But watch it. All right, my friends, let's let's change gears and talk about the pick of the week, which is, of course, Halloween Ends. This is a nationwide release. The saga of Michael Myers and Laurie Strode comes to a spine chilling climax in this final installment of the franchise. This stars Jamie Lee Curtis from Prom Night. Andy Matichek from Halloween Kills, Will Patton from Armageddon, and Kylie Richards from Halloween, the first Halloween. So allow me to regale you with what I meant at the beginning of the episode when I was doing the intro and I said, and a long-running story ends, kind of. Because this movie is called Halloween Ends, and the long-running joke, or not long-running, but running since the title was released, is that, oh yeah, it's not really going to end, they're never going to stop making these films. And here's what I learned. I learned that Bloomhouse and David Gordon Green, David Gordon Green's the director, signed up for three films. They, they signed up for a trilogy. This movie's going to conclude that trilogy. And after that, the rights to the movie are going back to Malik Makad, who is the son, I believe, of the creator of Halloween. The rumors that they're planning to do more movies after, but they're probably not going to be tied in to the David Gordon Green trilogy. Because here's the thing, you already know if you're a fan of Halloween, how this works. They have retconned the story so many times. One and two happened. Three, they tried to go a different direction with the film. Didn't work. Four, Lori's out of the equation now. It's about Jamie, who's supposed to be her daughter. 
that's four and five. Six, that's when things start to get really weird. Seven, Halloween H2O, they retcon four, five, and six. Resurrection comes out, still keeping the retconning to four, five, and six. Then the awful Rob Zombie movies come out. Those pretend that none of the others ever happened. It was starting fresh. Then we have the David Gordon Green trilogy starting with Halloween. And that retcons everything except number one, which I still think was a mistake. They retconned the fact that Michael is Laurie's brother. So I think they should have kept Halloween 2, kept that, and then moved on. Because if you look at the first Halloween, he only killed a couple people. And they talk like he's some monstrous psychopath. I mean, yeah, a couple people in, in the real world is awful and terrifying. One person is terrible. But in a horror movie, that's nothing. And they're acting like he's some gigantic monster. If you add the body, if you added the body count from the second one, then it's so much worse. And you have a better reason why Michael is coming after Lori. But once again, that's already gone. That's already that's already done. And I did actually rewatch Halloween Kills recently, because if you remember when Halloween Kills came out, I did not like it that much. I thought it was poorly paced. I thought it was kind of dumb with the evil dies tonight, evil dies tonight thing just kept going. Too many characters were just way too stupid. And I rewatched it and I liked it a little better. It's still not great, but I liked it a little better, especially the ending, because if you watch the extended version, not much changes ex really except for a couple scenes are a little longer and the ending changes. So Halloween kills or sorry, Halloween ends takes place four years after because after the night of Halloween kills, Michael runs off and now Lori's like, hey, he's going to come back and I'm going to kill him when he does. And this is that night, the night he comes back. So the news that the movie, the rights to the movie are going back to Malik Akkad is, I think, good news for this movie. Because the whole thing is that if more movies are going to be eventually made, how can they actually kill Michael? Because the thing about Michael Myers, in all of his movies, he is not supernatural. He's just f***ing lucky and tough. Like every film he survives, they explain in the next one how he made it out. Is it stupid sometimes? Yeah. But it's, it's kind of believable. At the end of 4, he gets pumped full of bullets and falls into a mine shaft. How did he survive? He crawled out, fell into the river, got washed downstream, found by some guy who didn't know who he was who nursed him back to life. Kind of stupid, but it also kind of works. So how can Halloween Ends have gotten a satisfying conclusion with anything short of Laurie dying, Michael living, if we knew there's going to be another movie? Well, this is going to be a closed trilogy. So now it could end Anyway, Lori could murk Michael and explode his body so there's no way he can come back. And that works because this trilogy is now wrapped up. Sometimes that's a downside of being too well-versed in movies. And if you are a cinephile, if you love films, you'll know this too. That sometimes if you know the, the history of a certain franchise or if you just are familiar with the way stories go, the way these movies gen generally go, and especially if you know that, oh, they already all signed on for a sequel, you know there are certain things that aren't going to happen. Like, oh, the, all the cast signed on for another sequel, so obviously they're not going to die. There are ways we can figure out what's going to go on in a movie based, off, based on our knowledge of movies, and I like the fact that just because no more David Gordon Green Halloweens are going to be made, this could go anywhere, and I really like that. 
it's true. There still is a possibility that Bloomhouse and Green get the rights back and they keep going. But as of right now, that's not the case. So going into this, we can go in not really knowing what's going to happen. Also, if you are interested in watching Halloween Ends, actually make sure to stay away from the trailer. Because in a couple scenes, it shows Michael straight up killing characters. Not any of the main characters, mind you, but enough that once you see this person, you'll know, oh, okay, well, this person's obviously going to die. And that kind of sucks. Because sometimes Michael doesn't kill them. Like Halloween H2O, one of my wife's favorite scenes, when Ronnie, played by, played by LL Cool J, is in the little security guard booth walking back and forth talking to his wife or girlfriend and Michael pops in the window he's not paying attention so Michael walks off comes back boo pops out again Ronnie's still not paying attention and he lets Ronnie live so if you do want to see this if you saw the first two actually just don't watch the trailer skip it because you're probably clever enough to put stuff together in your mind and may even spoil something for yourself so uh, don't risk it so my future friends this is the pick of the week for the Obvious reasons, because this is the Halloween season, and this movie is a Halloween movie, literally. This is the conclusion to a, so far, pretty good trilogy with one of the most iconic slasher villains of all time. My friends, unless they really, really screw the pooch, this is going to be, at the very least, a good movie. And even though I wasn't a big fan of Halloween Kills initially, I did come to like it a bit more now. So I do trust them to not Game of Thrones this ending. And that is why Halloween Ends gets a 10 out of 11. My future friends, that is it for this episode. Thank you oh so much for tuning in. Please do not forget to follow me on Twitter, if you are on Twitter at FutureFlixPod. In fact, find all of the ways to follow me and interact with me in the show notes and on my link tree. Always reach out, say hi. I love to interact with listeners. It, it rarely happens. Even when I was far more popular than I am now, I still rarely got interaction. So I would love some. Reach out, say hi, tell me what movies you like, what you don't like, what you've seen recently. Give me a recommendation. Give me a review. Ask me for recommendations. Whatever it is, I am here for it. And don't forget to check out the Friends of the Show, the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast, and We're Doing Fine with Robbie and Lisa. And my friends, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future.